0: The following audio is from Fathom Church in downtown Littleton, Colorado. More information about Fathom can be found at fathomchurch.org. All right. Good morning, 1045. Hey, how's it going? Um, Hey, online. Good to see you guys. I want to give a quick shout out to all of our friends who are online, but also um, my wife and daughter are online. uh, And so I'm saying hi to them because Harper's sick and I love you. And you're the only person I get to say that to because you're the pastor's daughter. So, um. (laughs) Yeah, it's a benefit of having the dad who wears a face mic to be able to get called out on. She thinks it's really cool that she's being talked to on TV right now. So uh, that's really, really cool. Hey, if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, would you please open them up to Leviticus chapter 23. Everyone's favorite book of the Bible this morning. Leviticus chapter 23. If you don't know where Leviticus is in your Bible, just go to where you stopped your last Bible reading plan, and that's where that's where we're gonna be. Leviticus 23. Uh, you can open up one of those hardback... Black Bibles underneath every chair. That's on page 101. If you're online, you can click the Bible tab. Uh, but we're going to be in Leviticus chapter 23 to start this morning. Uh, hey, did any, everybody freak out at my email this week? Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Didn't like that. April. Should I say April Fool's? Am I allowed to say that? I didn't mean to freak anybody out on that one. I sent an email uh, this this week. If you're not on our email list, fill out the connect card. Uh, but if, if you are on our email list, I sent one out that said, pastor chris is leaving fathom uh which is pure clickbait right it was pure clickbait because i know you won't watch the video or read the email unless i do that and by the way this was the easily the most read and the most clicked on email we've ever had so just get ready for some more bait and switch all right because apparently it's the only way i can get information to you is to trick you um Let me explain what's going on Uh, back in the fall of 2020. So uh, we had we had come out of our quarantine in covid and we were kind of meeting. uh, It was it was a strange season for all of us. But we were uh, we preached a sermon series called The Disciplines. the disciplines. Uh, and, uh, that was a, I think it was a six week series on the classical spiritual disciplines. These are practices that, uh, that, that historically Christians have done and practiced and, and, and worked on as a means by which God grows and matures us in discipleship. And, uh, and so one of the weeks I took a week off and I preached uh, an entire sermon on the, uh, the discipline of the Sabbath of observing the Sabbath. Now, Now, since I preached that sermon series in October of of 2020, uh, 40% of you are new since then. So, so I feel like I could refresh this one a little bit because most of you have not heard that sermon. So I'm going to take today's opportunity to talk about the discipline of Sabbath once again, because if, if we're honest, it ain't nobody nailing this one except Chick-fil-A and Hobby Lobby, right? <laughs> I mean, even if you are disciplined about taking a Sabbath, it's really hard to actually practice and observe the Sabbath. And, uh, and so I'm gonna talk about this, but I'm also going to take it from a different angle because like I mentioned in the email video, this summer, my family and I are leaving Fathom. We're leaving Fathom and we're taking this summer as a sabbatical from ministry. And so the question at hand is, what's a sabbatical? Well, that's what we're going to try and dig into today. So we're going to start in the Bible. That's a great place to start. Uh, What does the Bible say about sabbatical? Well, not, not anything. Exactly. Okay. The word sabbatical is not found in the Bible, but the foundation of the idea of sabbatical is actually born from the idea of Sabbath. Okay. It's rooted in the word Sabbath. So we need to theologically understand the Sabbath if we're going to get our minds around what a sabbatical is. Now, Normally, when we start talking about Sabbath, we don't immediately run to Leviticus 23. That's not normally the first place that's triggered in our minds biblically. Uh, There's probably two places that people tend to go. And the first is to the the creation story. Genesis 1 and 2, we think of creation because God created everything. And the, the text says that it was day one and he created. And day two, he created. And day three and day four and day five and day six. And then on the seventh day, God rested He looked at everything that he had created and he said, That's enough. And he stopped and he rested on the seventh day and he made it holy and he called it the Sabbath. That's the English word, the Sabbath, which is actually from the Hebrew word Shabbat, Shabbat, which literally means to cease or to stop. So when we talk Sabbath, we mean stopping, okay? The Sabbath is a day to stop, to stop worrying, to stop wanting. to stop working. Those are three W's. That's good preacher alliteration. Okay. That's it, it's stopping. We're stopping on the Sabbath. Now, one thing to note about that creation account, Genesis one and two and God stopping. Uh, h- hear me on this. God does not stop on the seventh day because he's tired. Right. Right. He didn't stop because he was tired. God stopped because he was finished. He was done. Right. Right. Like God could have, if he had wanted to, he could have kept creating. He could have kept going, just like we could keep working. We don't have to observe the Sabbath. We can keep working. We can keep going. We, too, don't only stop when we're wiped out. This is an important principle. You don't just stop. You don't just Sabbath when you're exhausted and tired and worn out and burnt out. No, built into the very rhythm of creation and the fabric of how God created the universe to work. He modeled to us to take one day in seven to just stop. So that's the first place that some people go when they talk about Sabbath from the Bible. Second place uh, that people tend to think Sabbath is the Ten Commandments, right? You get to uh, Exodus chapter 20 or Deuteronomy chapter five and you find the, ten, the big 10, right? The, the thing that everybody years ago was freaking out about taking down from different rooms in public buildings, et cetera, right? The big 10. And number four, if you know your 10 commandments, which probably you don't, but if you know your 10, you remember number four? Yeah, yeah, it's remember. Here's, here's how it says in the ESV. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. The Sabbath, listen, is a commandment. It's a command. All right. And by the way, it's the only command in the big 10. It's the only command with the word remember attached to it. All the other commands. Don't do this. Don't do this. Do this. But this is the one that says, remember, God never says, hey, remember, don't murder people. Because we're not prone to forget that one, right? Hey, remember, don't sleep with people that aren't your spouse. He doesn't call us to remember that. God says, remember the Sabbath. And I think it's because we are so prone to forget this one. (laughs) We're so prone to neglect this one. We're so prone to just say this one does not apply. But today I want us to dig into everyone's favorite book of the Bible, Leviticus. um, Because... Because I think it's here we find God's law for the Sabbath and then a great expansion of this idea for God's people. And so what I'm going to show you in this text is I'm calling it the three levels of Sabbath. There's three levels of Sabbath I see here. There's actually a fourth and we'll just barely touch on that. But these are the three levels of Sabbath for God's people. So let's jump in Leviticus chapter 23. I'm going to look at verses one through three to start. Follow along in your text. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the people of Israel and say to them, these are the appointed feasts of the Lord that you shall proclaim as holy convocations. They are my appointed feasts. Verse three, six days shall work be done. But on the seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest, a holy convocation. You shall do no work. It is a Sabbath to the Lord in all your dwelling places. All right. This is level one Sabbath, right? This is the one that we all kind of get our minds around. This is level one. We've seen it in creation. We've seen it in the big 10 and now explicitly in the expanded law of God in the book of Leviticus. uh, We see the law take one day in seventh day, seven days as a Sabbath. And the thing that makes a Sabbath a Sabbath is that it is to the Lord, It is unto the Lord. That's where the Sabbath is different from merely taking a day off. Okay? A Sabbath is unto the Lord. There is a purpose behind it. So I'll just, I've told you this before. I'll illustrate with me. For me, my weekend is Friday and Saturday. All right? Uh, I am not Chick-fil-A. I am not closed on Sundays. Right? You know this? Like, do you really? Like right now, today's Monday for me. You get that? Like I'm at work right now. This is my job. This is what I'm open for business right now. I am not resting. I'm working right now. So, so for my family, we have chosen to Sabbath on Saturday. All right. Uh, But, but for me, I take Friday, Saturday is my weekend and Friday is a day off for me. And on my Fridays on my day off, I do all the work that I don't get paid to do. You follow me on that one? You know what I'm talking about? Yard work, okay? Laundry, right? Cleaning, running errands, going and shopping for groceries. Those are not Sabbath activities for me, right? i never gone to King Supers and thought, "Rest for my soul," right? That's a, <laughs> it's never happened that way. <laughs> okay, those are my day. That's that's what I do on my day off. But a day off isn't a Sabbath. A day off and a Sabbath are different because a Sabbath is unto the Lord. And we're going to get into the details about what that entails. But Leviticus 23 begins with the Sabbath, okay? Work six days, stop for one, six, and then stop on the seventh. That's what we see in the law. Okay, now look down to verse four Leviticus 23, verse four. Now, these are the appointed feasts of the Lord the holy convocations, which you shall proclaim at the time appointed for them. All right. So so now we hear about these feasts and this is level two Sabbath. That's what I'm calling level two Sabbath, these feasts. And I think it might be helpful to call the feasts of God's people extended Sabbaths. They're like extended Sabbaths in the very fabric of how God's people were to be run and, and live their lives. It got built in these longer stretches of time for his people to Sabbath. It's not just a vacation, right? It's Sabbath that it's called to. And the rest of, of Leviticus 23 lays these Feasts out, okay. And so I'm not going to read through these because I know you've already got this one memorized. But, um, but I, let me just let me just recount these feasts, okay. Verses five through eight is the feast uh, uh, called Passover, okay, or the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Uh, verses nine through fourteen is the feast of the First Fruits. Uh, Fifteen through twenty-two is the feast of Weeks. Then you get the feast of Trumpets. Then you get the Day of uh, Atonement or Yom Kippur if you know that language. Uh, and then at the end, verses thirty-three through forty-three, you get the feast of Booths or the Feast of Tabernacles. So these feasts, they are longer extended times that exist with the same purpose as the weekly Sabbath. You notice the language was the same. The, the, the weekly Sabbath was called a convocation to the Lord. And so are the feastly weeks. They're these longer extended unto the Lord sorts of things. And that's what if we were to read that, that, that whole chapter, you would see on repeat to the Lord, to the Lord. This is a feast to the Lord, unto the Lord. This is the, the on repeat. These are not vacations, right? They're not just like building a booth and like camping out. And that's what they're doing. No, they're doing these unto the Lord. Now, my family, uh, we do practice something similar to this as well. Okay, we practice a weekly day off, a weekly Sabbath, and we practice um, this kind of like we don't feast like we don't really observe the feasts. There are some Christians who do, and that's great, but uh, we don't really do that. I get uh, as an employee of this church, you're essentially you're my bosses. Okay, I am the employee and you give me four weeks off a year. Thank you. That's great. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, and in those four weeks that I take off each year rhythmically, I take two weeks off right after Christmas because because for me, fall is like a mad dash all the way to Advent and into Christmas Eve and then I collapse. Right. And so I take two weeks off right after Christmas Eve and then I take an additional two weeks off sometime during the summer and we try to treat those times off as extended Sabbaths. Now, let me explain what that means. Okay, the first week of those two weeks, we would normally try to do like like house projects and trips or vacations. Like we try to do things the first week uh, as kind of like a decompressor because it for I don't know for you when you take a vacation. But for me, it takes about a week for me to shut the brain down from work mode. And so to to take a trip or to take a vacation or to do a project or whatever, that just helps me kind of shut down a little bit. But then the second week of our vacation or our time off, uh, man, we try to we try to do a little bit more intentionality around a longer Sabbath. a, A lot more rest happens that second week. A lot more refreshment comes, a lot more intentional time with the Lord. And this really helps me come back from those two weeks off, not just being dead exhausted. You ever go like go hustle hard on a vacation and then you come back to work the next Monday and you're like, oh my gosh, I need a vacation from the vacation I just took, right? I'm trying to avoid that. And that's and that's how we've kind of structured this is that I do one week of like vacations and stuff. And then I take the second week to really try to refresh so that I'm good when I come back from those times. Now, we're going to skip Leviticus chapter 24 because it gets into lamps and and tabernacle and blasphemy and eye for an eye. We'll get to those at some other point. But if you go to chapter twenty five, we find the next couple iterations of Sabbath. And so Sabbath level three shows up at the beginning of chapter 25, verses one through seven. So follow along in this part. The Lord spoke to Moses on Mount Sinai saying, speak to the people of Israel and say to them, when you come into the land that I give you, so that's the promised land. When you come into that land, the land shall keep a Sabbath to the Lord. For six years, you shall sow your field. And for six years, you shall prune your vineyard and gather in its fruits. But in the seventh year, there shall be a Sabbath of solemn rest for the land, a Sabbath to the Lord. There's our words unto the Lord. You shall not sow your field or prune your vineyard. You shall not reap what grows or itself is in your harvest or gather the grapes of your undressed vine. It shall be a year of solemn rest for the land the Sabbath of the land shall provide food for you for yourself and for your male and female slaves and for your hired worker and the sojourner who lives with you and for your cattle and for all the wild animals that are in your land, all its yield shall be for food. So I'm calling this Sabbath of the land level three Sabbath for Israel. It's like this third iteration and And the idea here is that every seventh year for the entire year, you're supposed to take a Sabbath or I'll call that a sabbatical. And and now think how crazy this would be. This is an agrarian culture. Most of these folks farmed for a living or tended herds for a living. Right. There weren't no CFOs at this point, no accountants. Back in ancient Israel, this was all agrarian. And every seventh year, that's six, every seventh year, <laughs> sometimes I got to think, they're to give the land an entire year of rest. Imagine the faith this would take the, the faith of an agrarian society to say, we ain't going to farm this year. Can you imagine this? But this is what God. Is asking. God said he would provide for this agricultural society for the entire year as they let the land rest. Now, we don't have time to go into it, but if you were to look at verse eight and following, you would find out that every seventh sabbatical, so every seventh sabbatical, 7 years so that is the 49th year Israel was to take a double sabbatical that's 2 years of sabbatical rest and that was called the year of jubilee it was essentially like a reset of Israel's economy i mean it was it was crazy uh, um, uh, it, it's the craziest imaginable rest that you could even partake in and by the way there is no historical record of Israel ever practicing a year of jubilee It's so radical that Israel literally never did it. So here's where I think the modern idea of a sabbatical finds biblical root here in this idea of these levels of Sabbath. Every seventh year, there's this much longer Sabbath or I'll call it a sabbatical, but it's unto the Lord. It's unto the Lord. And this is where we are at as a church, Fathom, okay, uh, because in February, we celebrated our seventh church birthday. And uh, this summer, Marcy and I are leaving Fathom and we're taking our first sabbatical this summer. Now we're not going to do a full year. All right. That would be, uh, I mean, maybe it's not crazy, but it would be crazy. All right. Uh, for me, uh, I would drive her nuts just as much as I would drive myself nuts, but, um, but we're going to take a sabbatical. Now I'm going to give you all the details about that in this sermon, but before I go there, I want us to do a refresher on the practicals of sabbathing, Okay. Because uh, you can take those practicals of sabbathing, and you can apply them to these longer Sabbaths. If you're doing a weekend or a week during the summer, or even a, a longer term sabbatical, how do we practically Sabbath unto the Lord? And so a lot of this, if you were with us two, two plus years ago, you may have heard some of this, but I think it's a good refresher. If you're in the 40%, this is all brand new and I've never said it before. All right. Just so you know, When I Sabbath, I always break it down into four categories, okay? On Sabbath, I stop, I rest, I delight, and I worship. And these are the four things that I do every Sabbath, and these are the grids by which I run everything through to see if it counts, if it's good for me for Sabbath or not. And let's walk through these four things, okay? Uh, The first one is stop. On Sabbath, we stop, We stop work, paid and unpaid work. We stop. And I know we covered this already a little bit, um, but let me illustrate this. Okay, Uh, I read about this guy named Bernie Krause who uh, records nature sounds for film and television. That's a job. All right, college students, you might think about that, right? <laughs> recording nature sounds, that's his full-time job. And I read this interview with him that, that he said that in 1968, when he would do this in 1968, if he wanted to get one full hour of undisturbed natural sounds, like birds and stink, like that, okay, you got that? No airplanes, no cars, no people, all of that. It would take him 15 hours of recording to get one hour of undisturbed natural sound, which sounds like a lot to me. But the article went on that in order to get the same one hour of undisturbed sound today, it takes him approximately 2,000 hours of recording to generate one hour of undisturbed sound. What that tells me is that we live in a world that's never turned off we just never shut it off we are constantly going and doing it's 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 all the time we don't ever shut it down i mean we've got our phones and we've got texts and we've got music and we have got emails and we got TVs and we all this stuff just bombarding us all the, that's all noise that's all noise that's not undisturbed it's it's noise And then there's the visual noise that you like, even if you're like, "Ah, I'm just going to shut my radio off while I drive. There's still visual noise out there. Billboards and pop ups and notifications. Their phones always ding at you. Man, there's advertising everywhere. Have you have you seen car wraps? What the heck are those things? Wrap your car in advertising so that you can freak people out. I mean, listen, I said this in first service, but if you have a car wrap, all right, we need to have a conversation. I'll help you find a new church. Um, I don't really mean that, but it's just like, come on, let's let's rethink the car wrap thing altogether. All right. It's like we've become allergic to quiet. It's like we've become allergic to. To stopping. It's like we've become allergic to not having these things with us at every moment of every day, just glowing rectangles in our face, keeping us connected to something that really doesn't matter. And I'm not anti-phone and I'm not anti-tech, but I'm just saying, like, uh, I think we need to stop. How often do you check your phone each day? Anybody have that little apps still turned on on their phone where it tells you your your screen time because that'll depress you real quick, right? I think I had that on the first week they released it and then I cut that thing off because I don't want to know, right? But how many how many times do you touch your phone in an hour? How many times do you pick up your phone on a date? Goodness, when you're with your kids, you ever find yourself snapping at your kids because they're doing something and it bugs you while you're on your phone doing something very stupid? She's like, hey, back it off. I'm doing something. I'm posting on Instagram here, right? This kind of thing. Hey, can you give me a second? I'm trying to tweet about our trip to the zoo, right? Like, that's, we're talking about this more than we're actually engaging with our kids. You have a day when you just stop that. We just cut that nonsense out. On Sabbath, we stop. We stop. No email, no work texts. No homework. No homework. <laughs> we, we don't do chores. We try to limit our shopping that Amazon app, which is like crack in app form. That is not allowed in my home on the Sabbath. OK, we try to stop. We try to stop. Uh, so so listen, y- you text me on a Saturday. I won't get to it until after five. My Sabbath starts five on Friday to five on Saturday. And I'll text you back in the afternoon or late afternoon, evening. You send me an email on the Sabbath. I ain't going to see that until Saturday night because we stop. That's the first thing we do on Sabbath. We stop. The second thing we do on Sabbath is we rest. We rest. Now, I think we have a skewed view of what the word rest means culturally, because when most of us think about the word rest, most often we think of like taking a nap or like hitting the couch to binge watch some Netflix or like something like that. We think of uh, leisure activities. We equate rest with leisure. Right? Um, But biblical rest isn't an an idea that that refers to the remedying of exhaustion. That's not what biblical rest is. Like, after a long day at work, I just rest on the couch with chips poured out on my chest. (laughs) Right? Like, which that's never happened to me. So don't worry about that. Um, (laughs) Rather, biblical rest... It actually is referring to the thing that happens to us when we stop our work. In, in, in the ability to stop, we can actually rest. It's not something that we need. It's something that we get to after we've stopped. Now, I think taking a nap is a part of rest sometimes. And I think watching a movie is a part of rest. They can be a part of resting on a Sabbath. But just remember, this is a Sabbath unto the Lord. This is a purpose. It's to the Lord. So just like drooling on yourself while binge watching episodes of The Office might not do that. It might not like stir up your affections for Jesus. Maybe it does, I don't know, but you'd have to really convince me of that rest now here's where evangelicals and protestants have history. even before this okay let's just rewind all the way to the bible times here's where we get in trouble we get in trouble when we take rest and we try to universally define it and apply it for every person in all places see rest when rest becomes legalistic when you start to lay it upon people as opposed to recognizing that rest is going to look different for each and every person What might be restful for you might not be restful for me and vice versa. Okay, it it often works. This is I've heard this said a million times that if you work all week with your hands, then you will likely rest with your head. Or if you work all week with your head and your mind, then maybe you're going to rest a bit more actively with your hands. That just might be how it plays out. That's how it plays out for me. Okay, this one's me All, all week. I'm at my desk staring at a screen. I read books, I write sermons, I meet with people, I lead, and then I go home. And so all week I am inactive. I'm working with my mind, with my head. And so on the Sabbath, yo, know, I need to, I need to run. Literally. I need to get out and get active. I need to activate my body. I need to walk and bike and run and ski. I need to move. I rest actively. Now, if you're if you're in construction and you're working your body hard all week, maybe resting is not the same for you. You're not like, hey, let me run six miles. That sounds like awful. That's Monday for me. Right. And so maybe you rest differently, but you must rest on Sabbath. We stop and we rest. And then the third thing is we delight. We delight. And this we find back in Genesis one and two. Because as God creates, he ends, Genesis 1 and 2 are written in in a lot of poetic language. He ends with this cadence. Day one, he creates, and God saw that it was good. Day two, God creates, and he saw that it was good. Day three, he saw that it was good, and he saw that it was good, and he saw that it was good. It's this refrain in the creation story. God creates banana trees, plucks one of those things, peels it up, takes a munch, oh, and that's good. He starts creating animals. He's got giraffes and lions and wombats. It's like, dang, I'm good. Cats were likely a ramification of the fall. <laughs> they were a result of the fall. Just let's be honest, okay? He creates people. Do you remember what he said? Oh, that that's very good. It's very good. See, the Sabbath, while it has this idea of stopping And resting, it also has this deep delight enjoying God, enjoying our lives in his world. So for a second with me, just just think to yourself, what could you do for 24 hours that would fill your soul with a deep delight? I'm not talking... Shallow here. I'm talking in a deep delight. What could you do one full day? Do those things on Sabbath. Do those things on Sabbath. Here's how I've heard it put Um, I've heard it put like this think of Sabbath like a weekly holiday, okay? Uh, Like Christmas, just every week. All right. I mean, think about the the illustration here. Christmas is kind of a peak year, a peak day every single year. Right. On Christmas, it's beautiful. It's special. You have like traditions in place. Right. Maybe you go to church. There are these special songs and special shows and videos and movies and all that stuff. You eat some of your very best meals. You eat your best treats on Christmas. You normally spend it with the people closest to you with your family and your friends. Like it's highly communal and it should be if it's done well. Christmas it should be highly restful. Sabbath can be like Christmas 52 times a year. It's doing as many things as we can that delight us, that bring about a holy pleasure in our life. It's playing with my daughter in the backyard going for longer walks with my family walking my dog it's eating the best meals of the week not leftovers you don't eat leftovers on sabbath you eat the best you drink the best coffee or other beverages that i will not say from the stage (laughs) you take the best nap on sabbath right praise jesus it's reading on the porch in the rocking chair with the cool breeze. It's, it's all of these things, it's all the delight. Remember last time I talked about this, it's pleasure stacking. It's stacking all the things that are godly and good in your life all up on one day and saying, I'm delighting in the Lord for today is the Sabbath. We stop, we rest, we delight, and then finally we worship. We worship. On the Sabbath. This is unto the Lord. It's just not the best day off ever. It's unto the Lord. So, church, I think if possible, you should strive to Sabbath on Sunday. Okay, now this is not a universal thing, okay, but I just think it would be for most people beneficial. If I didn't work for the church, I would Sabbath on Sundays. This is the day that my family would do this. And some of you do have to work on Sundays for you. uh, You have to somebody after first service said, man, by Sunday afternoon, I'm already in work mode. So I don't know if Sunday's uh, Okay, fine. You know what? This is not a law. All right. This is a suggestion. Uh, So if you work on Sunday or whatever, maybe pick a different day. But. I think we should at all possible, if at all possible, include worshiping on the Lord's day with God's people as a part of our Sabbath. Okay, I think that coming to and serving your local church should be a part of your Sabbath routine. You should be a part of this day to gather with God's people and to hear God's word, to worship and to take the Lord's supper and to pray and to serve the body, to love one another in the church. Like this is all a part of the gift that Sabbath is. We stop, we rest, we delight, and we worship. That's the grid. If it doesn't fit in that grid, I don't do it on Saturday. If it doesn't meet those criteria, I'll do it on Friday or I'll do it uh, sometime else during the week. Those are my Sabbath criteria. Now, the question that always comes up when we talk about Sabbath is this. Is it a command to be followed? Like, is this still a command? Like, do I have to Sabbath? Am I in sin if I don't? Are Christians under the new covenant commanded To follow and remember and observe the Sabbath. Well, this is hotly debated, as are most things in the Christian faith. We can't agree on anything. Okay, but but this is hotly debated. And so there are some who will say, yes. Yes, this is a binding commandment. Just like all the other 10 commandments, the other nine, you still have to obey those, right? It's not like, well, I'm free in Christ, so I can kill you. <laughs> no, that's absolutely crazy, right? There are binding commandments. And so people will say this, like this, just because uh, Jesus came doesn't mean we get to neglect one of the top 10 rules of the Old Testament. So yes, this is a command. On the other side of the argument, people say, Whoa. That is way too legalistic. That's way too legalistic to observe the Sabbath. See, Jesus fulfilled the law and now we're free in Christ. So it's more figurative. Jesus is my Sabbath rest. I don't need to take one day in seven so legalistically. And I would say there's merit on both sides of the argument. But I just would rather reframe the question for us this morning. The Sabbath isn't a half it's an ought to and a get to okay you ought to sabbath why because it's just so good for you but you also get to sabbath why because it's a gift for you Jesus said man wasn't created for the Sabbath. Sabbath was created for man. It was a gift to you. It's given to you. To observe a Sabbath unto the Lord is a good gift from God that we would be fools not to partake in. So again, think of Christmas, okay? Christmas, I think, is helpful in this. No one is like, oh, you celebrate Christmas every year? How legalistic. Why does it always have to be December 25th? For reals, we're free in Christ. We should be able to celebrate Christmas whenever we want to. Nobody says that. I mean, it'd be silly. It'd be asinine, right? One, oh, no, one, no one's like, hey, well, th- you know what? This Christmas was a train wreck. It was just complete garbage. All right, Uncle Larry wouldn't stop talking politics in an election year. Seriously, the kids were brats. They opened those things and they were just like, I don't even want this. Is the wrong color. I was like, oh, "You know I'll take it back. All right. It was like Chevy Chase movie. That's what our Christmas was like. So we're just going to cancel the whole thing. It's too, it's too legalistic. It's too binding. It's too, no, you you do it again. You do it again every single year. And so it is with the Sabbath. You ought to do it because it's good for you. And you get to do it because it's a gift to you. Listen, you serve the God who created the weekends. Praise his name. Come on. (laughs) The world didn't come up with this thing. He did. In creation, a day of pleasure stacking as a gift for you. Nah, I'm I'm too busy. Really? For the best thing possible? You're too busy for that? Well, that's actually a good excuse because people make that excuse all the time. To me, as I talk with people about the Sabbath, here's what I hear. I just have too much to do. And I always want to be snarky and be like, well, God probably could have kept doing stuff, but he took a day off. You think you're more busy than he? <laughs> I don't do that. Only sometimes when I'm with a face mic. But, but here's, here's the truth, okay? It's really hard work to practice the Sabbath. It feels paradoxical. All right? It feels paradoxical. But you have to work hard to rest well. You have to put in some hard work so that your your weekend doesn't get just taken over by all of the tasks that you have to complete. So this means, hear me, for me, I have to protect my Saturdays. I have to protect my Saturdays from y'all. For reals. Hey, you, 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 you able to meet Pastor Chris Saturday at two? I'm, I'm, I'm really struggling right now. Are oh, you think you'll be struggling on Sunday? Cause we could meet then. <laughs> no, I mean, I, that's tongue in cheek, but for reals, I have to protect my Saturdays. It's hard work. It's hard work for me to say no to you. It is. I have to work harder on my day off on Friday. I have to work much harder to get all of the things done that would, that I could do over two days to get them all done on Friday. So that Saturday, I don't have to do those things. I don't want to be stuck with laundry on Sabbath. I don't want to be stuck with lawn care and extra work for my job on Sabbath. It's not that I don't love you. It's that I love you enough to rest. You need your pastor well-rested. Trust me. You guys burn out in this thing all the time. Each one of us should work towards this thing. We should work towards these things. I, I would actually say each one of us should work towards all three levels of Sabbath let me explain i think uh for for most of us here i think every sunday if possible you should observe it as a sabbath unto the lord a 24 hour period where you stop rest delight and worship one in seven i think you should aim for that now listen if you've never sabbathed before i really don't think that next sunday you should just do nothing i think you should ease into this maybe take six hours next sunday Right? Maybe maybe take eight hours the following Sunday and then 10 and then 12 and work towards 24. 24 will jack you up because we're allergic to it. I promise you, the first time I Sabbathed, by about two in the afternoon, I was ready to punch a wall. I was so bored. I was sitting there and I'm like, I need to do something, which is just a sweet, sweet conviction from the Holy Spirit of the condition of my heart. But I think we should do this. I think we should Sabbath one in seven. I think it would be really wise for you to plan times in your calendar year where you have a feast of sorts. Hey, maybe you observe some of the Old Testament feasts, you know, throw a tent out in your yard and celebrate the feast of tabernacles. I don't know. Do, do whatever you want to do. But but I think you should have extended weekends or even longer weeks within your year where you intentionally Sabbath a bit longer unto the Lord. I'm not talking Disneyland, right? Disneyland is not a place of rest. It's work, yo. Okay. But taking some of that time to Sabbath unto the Lord. And then finally, I think every seven years or so, if you are able, you should consider a sabbatical. Okay. Now, listen, I know immediately so many of you are like, my employer doesn't give me time like that. My boss won't let me do that. There's no way that I could do that because that's, that's for pastors. Great. We're glad for you. What a perk, man. Awesome. But no, that's not going to happen in my world. And I would just say, yeah, it probably should happen. It probably should happen. I think every every person would benefit from this. And actually, I've done a lot of research on this, that the marketplace, the business world is just starting to find this practice more and more appealing. There's a business owner in our in our church who gives his employees every 10 years an extra little sabbatical on top of their normal paid time off. And it's because they're finding out that like giving this extended time to employees is increasing productivity. It's increasing longevity. It's increasing enjoyment of work. All across the world, people are like, I love it when the business world starts to catch up with the freaking Bible. <laughs> They're like, oh, that would, we should give them an extra month. Hi, 6,000 years old right here. <laughs> it's been here. They're just starting to catch up with the book. So listen, even if your work doesn't give it to you, I think you can do this. I think you could do this. I think if you think over the next seven years and you start thinking about saving up a little bit of your paid time off. And just holding that and and forming your own sabbatical. Maybe it's three weeks. Maybe it's four weeks. Maybe it's five weeks that you can do. Whatever that might be. But every seven to ten years, taking a little bit of extra time and creating a sabbatical, an extended Sabbath for you to rest. There are things that God can only do when we stop. A lot of us felt just the, the, the hair of that when everything shut down in COVID. There are things that God can only reveal in your heart when you slow down. There are things that that God can only communicate to you when you shut up. So do this. Practice this. So that gets us to this summer for me. For me and Marcy, we're leaving Fathom. That's what we put in the email. We're leaving Fathom for the summer. We, We will be taking our own sabbatical unto the Lord. Now let me explain this. I got saved in 2001. In 2001, I was a high uh, high school junior. I got saved. I got my first job vocationally being paid as a minister in a church in 2003, which I always say is just a bad decision on their part. Let's hire an 18 year old to do some stuff. He doesn't know anything. Great. Give him a job. Uh, That's that's how it worked. Um, But I haven't stopped since then. And so I am coming into my 20th year of vocational ministry. And I've never taken a Sabbath. Most of that's my own fault, or I mean a sabbatical. Most of that is my own fault, but uh, the elders have generously extended a sabbatical to my family for this summer. So my last Sunday for this spring will be on May 15th. And then I won't be back in this room with a face mic on uh, until the second week of August. And this summer I'm, I'm taking a sabbatical unto the Lord. Now we're gonna do some vacations in there. All right. There's something I I bought tickets to Disneyland. I had to take out a second mortgage on my home, Um, but I bought tickets to Disneyland. We're going to do that. That will not be restful. Pray for me in that. Okay. Um, But most of my sabbatical has been crafted around those four things. I've met with Marcy and we've met with the elders. Uh, We've met with my counselor. I've met with other people who've done sabbaticals and we've crafted our our sabbatical around those four things. We will be stopping from our church work. OK, we will be resting in all that God has done in us and through us and around us in the last number of years of ministry. We will be delighting in the good gifts that he gives us. We're pleasure stacking. It's going to be great. OK, and then finally, we will be worshiping with other friends and other churches. You know, you know, I've never been to an Acts 29 church except for this one. <laughs> like I'm excited to go visit friends and sit under their teaching and and be led by their worship teams and then leave and not filling out a connect card. <laughs> I've never done that. I'm excited for this. So that's what we're going to do this summer. And I just want to encourage you, Fathom's going to be in really good hands this summer. Okay, this church is going to be just fine because we've got great staff and elders and we're going to bring in some outside help and we're going to continue doing what we do. We're going to preach through the Bible. So so we're going to jump back into the Gospel of Matthew, which we had started a couple of years ago, and we're going to keep plugging through the Gospel all summer. You're going to have biblical expositional preaching this summer. And then we have three other elders that are full-blown elders besides myself and three elder candidates. And there are now... Six staff members in addition to me uh, so you're gonna be in good hands this summer you're gonna be in good hands okay Uh, i won't be on email this summer i won't be on social media this summer okay we're asking that you don't reach out to us concerning church stuff this summer okay i gotta protect this sabbatical And so I'm asking for your help in that. If we bump into each other somewhere, shopping or whatever, I don't want to know how bad the preaching was last week. (laughs) I certainly don't want to know how good it was, right? (laughs) I don't want to know how many people there are or there aren't. I don't need that because that, listen, that'll, that'll pull me right back into it. That'll pull me right back into it. I need to stop and to rest, to delight and to worship. So I'm asking you to help me with that. There are qualified, godly men and women here at Fathom who can help you out. They'll be able to do it, okay. And everything that I've dug in teaches, dug into, uh, teaches that that when you give a point leader, a lead pastor of a church, a sabbatical man, it actually is one of the healthiest things for the ongoing health of the church. It really is, okay. Other people are going to get the opportunity to step up. We're going to see that I'm not indispensable. Which, listen, I need to see that just as much as you need to see that. Hey, we'll recognize where I might be over-functioning. We'll recognize where other people might be under-functioning. I mean, it's gonna be a healthy thing for all parties included. And so while this is an investment in my family and our emotional and spiritual health, this is actually an investment in our church. And I'm thinking, man, August is gonna be great. But it's gonna be a few months to get there. So here's where I want us to land today. I want us to end this segment by um by talking about this, so much of what the Sabbath is, is lost on us. So much of what the Sabbath is, is actually lost on us. Why is it lost on us? And, And now this is, this is significant. So, so, so land with me here. Okay. Because we are so prone to doing instead of being you are i am we all are we're doers we're not beers let me explain that the sabbath was woven into the fabric of how god created the universe to be because you and i by our very natures are going to try to earn what's been freely given to us we're trying to earn What cannot be earned, it can only be given. See, there's something that happens in me, I would imagine it happens in you too, but there's something that happens in me when I complete a task, like when I check something off my to do list, and it's almost like spiritual in nature. There's this like euphoric, I just accomplished something incredible sort of thing that occurs in my mind and in my heart. It's like a drug, it feels good. So Marcy comes home on a Friday and she says, oh, you made the bed. I'm like, yes, I did. (laughs) I also did the dishes. Harper has been fed and the laundry basket is empty. Hey, flapping in the wind, right? I am nailing this husband thing right now. Yes. (laughs) It feels good, right? And listen, I, I feel the exact same thing when I press send to email my manuscript of my sermon to the elders. Or when I get after a good Sunday, not an average Sunday, but like a good Sunday, I get in my truck and I sit down like, oh, like it's that same feeling where it's like, man, I've got this. I am nailing this thing. But here's what happens. It doesn't take too long for me to become enslaved to those feelings. where they get their grips on me and I and I begin to feel like I have have to do those things. And I have to get those things done because my whole identity can get wrapped up into what I can do and accomplish. I have to preach a lights out sermon every Sunday or I'm a failure. I have to be the best husband possible or I'm a, a real piece of junk. And I start to carry that weight. And by the way, that weight will crush me Amid any and every failure. Because we weren't meant to carry that burden. We aren't built to carry that. See, the Sabbath is God so kindly reminding us, hey, once a week, or, or at that feast, or, or on a longer sabbatical, once, just, just stop. Just be. Your identity isn't in those things. Your identity is in me. Your identity isn't in what you can accomplish, or or what you can get done, or or how you, how good you can clean yourself up, or whether you do this or whether you do that. Your identity is found in my adopting work in Jesus Christ, and that alone. That's who you are. Because we have a tendency to forget that. All I would say, all of us do. Every single one of us. In fact, most of us have this default setting to try to perpetually clean ourselves up so that God might approve of us. To keep working so that God might feel good about ransoming and redeeming and saving us. And God just screams to us from the heavens in the Sabbath, stop it. Just stop. And we're like, well, just let me, just let me clean this a little bit up. He's like, no, 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 stop it. Just Stop. God, I'm just trying to get better at this so that you'll like me more. No, 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 no. Stop, stop. I, I get it. Yeah, you keep working on that. But just for today, just stop. For today, just stop and rest. Just stop and be mine. Rest in who you are. You're already mine. I've already purchased you. You can't get this. He doesn't love, listen, he does not love the cleaned up version of you more than he loves you right now. You wanna know how I know that? Because in the scriptures we are told that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. When we were at our worst, Jesus looked at us and he said, I'll die for that one. That means he could not love you anymore no matter how good you get at cleaning your stuff up. That's not who he's wild about. He's not wild about the future you. He loves you right now. And the Sabbath helps us to remember that. Remember the Sabbath. It's by his blood and righteousness that you're saved. And the Sabbath just screams this out. Stop it. Stop all this absurdity. Stop. Be my son. Be my daughter. (laughs) You already are love you right now. The Sabbath was made for you and the Sabbath is a gift to you. Now, whenever I talk about Sabbath, I like to end with these words from Jesus. Um, and so I'm going to end with these today. This is Matthew chapter 11. Twenty and through thirty, but this is from Eugene Peterson's version. The message. Uh, I don't preach from the message, which is a good thing. Um, but I like to read from it because it's really cool. And so, I want to read these words over you. You can follow along if you like. But if you want, maybe this is the time for you to just shut your eyes and listen to these words. But but hear the heart of Jesus for you and the rest that He offers you as we finish our time today. Matthew eleven. Are you tired? Worn out, burnt out on religion, come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Freely and lightly, that's the offer on the table. Let's pray together. Father, I'm so very thankful for the gift of the Sabbath. I'm so very thankful that, that you Created six days, and then you stopped and rested on the seventh day, setting in the very fabric of the universe this, this order. And so, God, I I'm thankful for this and I and I pray that we would that we would take very seriously the gift that is the Sabbath. I'm sure, I'm sure of it, that there are men and there are women, there are students who've walked in here today just bone-dead exhausted. Some because of overwork. Some because they're just working so gosh darn hard to please you. To earn what is freely given. And I just pray, Lord, that through the power of the Holy Spirit, you would break us from that. Break us from being doers. Let us rest, truly rest in stopping on the Sabbath. Remind us who we are as we slow down and remember who you are. So God, to pray for each level of this Sabbath stuff for us, whether we've never done it or whether we need to ramp it up or whether we need to take it all the way and plan a sabbatical. Lord, would you inspire us through your spirit to know the good that you offer to us and may we be bold, courageous, and fearless enough to actually step into these things. So Father, we love you. What a gift it is. Jesus, be our Sabbath rest but also let us observe the Sabbath. We love you. We pray this in the name of Jesus and by the power of the Spirit. Amen.